If you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark, or Matthew, sorry. And uh, yeah, this term we've been looking at, just we've been kind of looking at prayer and priorities. It's kind of week one, we kind of took that time just to really rethink what are our priorities, what are we living for, and then we've been just kind of, uh, the last couple of weeks we were looking at prayer, and then last week actually Joe was visiting from India, uh, a man that uh, discipled and mentored me and, and just loved having him here last week, and so... You know, I've been just really reflecting too. It, it was so cool seeing how God was moving in your guys' lives over the week of prayer and fasting. I know some of you guys went really hard and really entered in uh, to that time. And I uh, just want to encourage you to keep keep seeking Him. Uh, I was just so blessed by just watching that. And tonight, I kind of want to look at prayer still. Um, and actually more particularly, um, why some prayers seem to be unanswered. A little different topic. Um, but we hear that often, actually. Uh, and if you're like me, maybe you've, you know, can look back at different times and wonder, you know, why wasn't that prayer answered? Why did I cry out to God and I never heard? Why was it silent? Or, or maybe why did he change my heart on it? Um, and maybe you went through the week of prayer and fasting and you had your journal and you had like 10 bullet points that you were just listing out. And I think that's awesome. And we should do that. Uh, but maybe you only got one answer. Maybe you got, maybe you went zero for 10. Uh, or maybe just God just assured you, and you just felt his assurance uh, that just to trust him. Um, for whatever the case, sometimes, you know, prayers, we, we, it seems like, man, God, you're not answering. And I can think of different times in my life I prayed that God would answer, you know, specific prayers. Um, I wanted to show a picture of my mom. Uh, I don't know if you have that. There, that's my mom. Uh, it's actually today, it's crazy. It's exactly been a year since my mom passed away, February 4th. 2019. It's crazy to think that that's been a year already, Um, you know, to live 36 years with your mom and then to have like a whole year where you just don't talk. It's just been, it's been wild. Um, But the reason I bring that up is, you know, we prayed for my mom to be healed. You know, we did. We prayed. We believed that she'd be healed um, at different times, especially. She had two times where she was miraculously healed. My mom, when I was nine or 10, I can't remember. I think I was in third grade. It's like 92 or 93. Um, she had breast cancer and actually had it in her lymph nodes too and had very severe, um, and, and the diagnosis was very, uh, it didn't, was, you know, bleak for a, a third year old, or third year old, third grader. It seemed pretty, but it was a miracle. Like 26 years, she lived cancer free after that. 26 years. And then in 2014, when, when she started going through her heart issues, uh, she actually was, uh, we, Actually, she was placed on hospice over Christmas of 14, and we thought we were going to lose her. And at the time, we were pregnant with Claire. We didn't know what we were having, and we just cried out to the Lord. We were like, God, we just, we just want our baby to meet my mom. And we just believed it and cried out. And, and it was a miracle because when you go on hospice, it's usually like, you know, that's kind of the end. And she graduated in six months. She graduated hospice, and you're only allowed six months of hospice. And so in June, uh, she graduated hospice, and June 3rd, uh, Claire was born. And it was just, I mean, I, I can't not say that that, um, that was a miracle. But why not this time? Why not in 2019? And um, I don't know if we'll know this side of eternity, uh, but I do know we can trust God, and I do know we can trust his word. And so tonight we're going to look at Matthew 7, 7 through 11. And this passage really um, is really a huge part of my faith journey from a young age. You know, I grew up on a dairy farm. 
up near Astoria, Oregon, and every night on my bunk bed, I don't know why, but I can think of a lot of nights I prayed these verses. I just said, okay, God, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Uh, and I just really believed it. You know, long before I knew that this was part of the greatest sermon ever given by Jesus, like this is the sermon on the mount. This is the, the best. Anytime. Oop. Check, check. Did I go out? What's that? Oh. Prayer works, see? All right. Where were we at? There we go. But yeah, long before um, I knew uh, that this was like, like uh, a part of the Sermon on the Mount, which I, anytime I, I meet a new believer or someone, they're like, hey, where should I start reading? Pretty much my go-to is Matthew 5 through 7. I say, just, just start in Matthew 5 through 7. It's the greatest sermon ever given. But long before I knew that, um, I read it, and something deep within me, and I don't know if it's you know, the way my, my family raised me or just, just God drew me at a young age to him, something deep within me just believed, like a, this childlike faith that I could just ask, I could seek, and I could knock, and he would hear, and, and I just began, I love this text. So we're going to read this, uh, verse 7 of chapter 7 in Matthew, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 9. Which of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And so something I like to do when I read a passage, or even like when I'm talking with new believers or something, just hey, what are some things that leap out? Or what are some quick observations? And I don't know if you noticed, but a few quick ones for me still to this day, I'm always like, I always find it ironic that the, the three words, ask, seek, knock, uh, begin with the letters that spell ask. I don't know, but maybe that's just where my mind goes. But it's like, maybe Jesus had like rhythm to his sermon. He always had like a three-point sermon. I don't know. But like, it's, I thought that was cool. I also love that it seems to be persistent and, or like this progression and persistent too. You like ask if I just ask someone, if I just ask Julie something, that's one thing. But if I show up at class the next day and sit next to her and ask her, I'm really kind of seeking her out. And then it gets real weird if you like knock on her door, like that's that's over the line, you know. But there, you kind of see this like asking and you know seeking and and knocking this action. So I, I always love that this persistence and this uh, progressive. And then uh, if you look at nine and ten, I love that you know, that Jesus uses humor, you know. Um, I have a son, and his name's Caleb, and if he would ask me for a loaf of bread, which he did, he asked me for bread tonight. We had fresh baked bread with our soup tonight. If he asked me that, I wouldn't just like, here, here have a rock, you know. Like, I wouldn't do that. Like, I have a picture of him. I, we went to the yogurt the other day, and I wouldn't just like throw a, a bunch of rocks or pieces of snake, you know, in his yogurt. You know, here's some topping for that cup of yo. Um, but... You know, I wouldn't do that. So I love that Jesus, it seems to be pretty, you know, like humorous how he says that. And then verse 11, I also I just wanted to point this out. Because I think this is really the core of what we're going to talk about tonight. Is I love that Jesus seems to assume that the audience believes God to be good. Like I really love that. And, it, and I didn't always see that when I was younger. Uh, um, but it seems that the that one of the most profound things to me about this passage, especially regarding prayer, 
is that the very basis, the really foundation of it is that is assumed that God is good, period. And it was interesting because I was on a run tonight, and um, this doesn't happen to me often, but I was just running, and I just felt like I had to almost stop and take notes because it wasn't in my notes. I got a little sticky note. I ran home and put it on a sticky note that I just had to say that a few times tonight because I think in our culture, and there's people here, and it might even just for me repeat it a few times, that like just need to hear that God is good. Like there's some of you here and myself at times has doubted that. Like he is good, period. Like he loves you. He sees you. He has plans for you, not to harm you, but prosper you. Like he is good at the very foundation. Um, he is good. And it's hard to receive if we don't believe this foundational truth, especially that he's a good father. Like that's, that's really hard for some of us. Maybe, maybe some of you didn't have, you know, I was blessed to have a, 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 a godly father, but maybe some of you didn't have that. And so it's hard to, when you read this heavenly father number, like that's, that's like, wait a second, I don't really like the father number. But no, he's good. Doesn't matter if your earthly father was great or not, He's even better. He's good. And, and that's what we need to start with tonight. God is good, and he gives good gifts, it says there, to those who ask him. He's a good father that meets the needs of his children. And what's, what's good about a good father, he knows when to say yes, and he knows when to say no. Um, and so tonight in this passage, it seems a little, like there's, it seems to be a little bit of tension here. Like, how do we grasp Jesus' promise that everyone who asks receives? with the reality that some prayers are unanswered, or they seem unanswered. How do, how do we, there's a tension there. You know, in the, the uh, Upper Room Discourse in John 14, 15, and 16, four times, four different times, and maybe even more, but, I, you know, I read four today where it says, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Really? We can ask anything, you know, in the Lord's name, and he'll do it. What about unanswered prayer? Like, how do we... How do we figure that, you know? And, and the easy answer for this is a lot of things I would say aren't prayed in Jesus' name. And, and when Jesus says to pray in my name, it doesn't mean a special phrase, you know? It doesn't mean like this perfect phrase that, that needs to be added on. But, but to pray in Jesus' name is to pray for things in line with his nature and character. That's what Jesus is referring to there. And, and to be honest, that's probably why I never got to the NBA. I'm going to be honest. You know, I prayed that, but that was probably a selfish prayer. You know, I probably didn't have the right talent skills there for that, but I like to think I still could be a 37-year-old rookie. But. but it's easy to, you know, for those type of prayers, it's easy to look back and see, uh, you know, my prayers that were selfish or didn't align with God's nature. You know, it's easy to look at those. But again, there's sometimes we've prayed in faith. And we believe, but, but it didn't seem like there was an answer. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. And really the question is tonight, how do we live in full, you know, full of faith and face unanswered prayer? And I thought we'd explore some of these you know, reasons uh, why our prayers may not be answered. And it's not an exhaustive list. And, and I mean, to be to real, no one really knows. Like, but there are some things, I think, and I gleaned some stuff from Bridgetown Church. They did a prayer series in May of 2017, and you can go there. They have about four-part series, and it's um, a really uh, good listen. Uh, and that's like May, I think, of 2017. Um, but some of the stuff I grabbed from that, too, because just trying to wrestle, the, in my own journey, just trying to wrestle uh, with this. Um, 
And so I'm just going to go through, I got a, a list, and we're just going to kind of do boom, 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 you know, that type of way. So um, first is some things we pray for um, can be shallow. You know, they might just kind of be real shallow prayers. Uh, like, I've done this one before. God, please let the beavers win. Like, I've prayed that um, at times, and um, I'm not ashamed of it. But, and it's not that he can't do it. Uh, you know, in the words of Jesus, all things are possible, you know. And so, like, but sometimes it's just maybe, maybe it's kind of shallow. Or, or the second, you know, sometimes prayer, you know, they contradict others. You know, there's 7 billion people in the world. Classic example, tonight I got here and I was praying for a parking spot. And I bet you there was other real lifers praying for that same parking spot. You know, but does God show favorites? I don't know, I got the spot. I don't know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Some prayers contradict others. Uh, some prayers are unanswered because uh, life is tough. And I want to camp out on this one a little bit. Um, you know, it, life's always going to be tough until Jesus returns. Like, that's what the Bible teaches. And if you hear that somewhere else, otherwise, like, it's just not true. Like, life is hard. We live in a fallen world, a post-Genesis 3 world. And Jesus said, in the world, we will face trouble. Like, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. First Peter says it this way, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make your partners with Christ in his sufferings, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. You know, the reality is something I've been dwelling on lately and thinking about as I've worked with um, people all across campus is that many of us, myself included, um, you know, really grew up pretty protected. You know, we haven't had to, you know, some of you, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not beginning to insert myself in your story, I don't know. Some of you maybe have had a really hard past. But a lot of us in, in the Western world haven't faced persecution or really hard adversity. And so, in many ways, our generation is emotionally fragile. Like, the first sign uh, of, you know, trouble like our lives wrecked like we just we we don't know how to handle we don't know how to cope we expect life to be easy and we're like wait what wait, what happened you know and it, i've dealt with a lot of college students through the year that the first time they've experienced adversity was at college and it really rocks them you know i think we need to adjust our expectations rather than have a crisis of faith every time we face hardship like we need to expect hard things and it's not bad to pray against hard things. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, I'm going to refer to it several times as the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus even says, deliver us from, anyone? Evil. Like, we want to, yes, God, take this evil from us. Like, yes, pray that. But sometimes I think in reality, few of us ask for grace to face difficulty in our life. That might be the more God-honoring prayer. Okay, God, I'm going through this. Yeah, take it away if you can. But if not, like, help me to have the grace to face this and, and, and to be a witness to those around me. You know, suffering's never God's will. But it, again, in the reality of this world we live in, it, it's very inevitable. Uh, Daniel 3. This is an awesome story. Powerful story about three young, I'd like to say college-age guys, um, 
you know, kind of responding with like this radical godlike character in the midst of really evil. You know, the, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had this idea, or I don't know if his entourage had the idea, but basically said, you know, build a statue, and then when, you know, all these, you know, instruments go off, everyone will bow down to that statue of you and worship you. He's like, yeah, seems like a good idea. So everyone did it, but these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and it, fear, it made him furious, uh, and he had them come before him and said, hey, you basically gave him a second chance, and said, if you're not, you know, like, your God's not going to save you, and kind of mocked them. And I love their response. In, in Daniel 3, 16, it says this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. <laughs> if we are thrown into blazing furnace, the God, I love that, the God, we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up to. Set it up. It's like microphone drop. It's like microphone drop. Like, I love this. Like, their faith, uh, what I love about this is their faith is deeper than if their prayers were answered. Like, their faith is not in their prayers, but in the God. It's beautiful. Another reason sometimes prayers aren't, uh, you know, sometimes prayers seem like they're unanswered is, you know, I think it's because it's not God's best. It's not God's best. He's got something better, you know, like that old Garth Brooks songs. You know, I don't know if you know that one. I can't remember it that well, but I won't sing it for you. Thank God for unanswered prayers or something like that. I don't know. But he's got something better. And, and it's funny because, you know, I look back at my past and how often I thought, I needed something, or I had to have that. I think even in college when I was pursuing different girls, I told my wife about this, so it's okay. <laughs> but I'd pray, and oh gosh, let her like me, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that she didn't, um, because I, I just love my wife so much, and I'm so thankful uh, for my wife and our family. Um, but yeah, God has something better often, and we think we know, you know, you know, sometimes the answer, you know, is no. Maybe because in his mercy, he has something better for us. Or, I like this part too, or those around us that are witnessing us in the suffering. Sometimes he doesn't answer our prayer because it's not just about us. It's about those around us, that he has something better that they can experience through what we're going through while we're not seeing that deliverance or that answer. And I think this is true. If God always answers my prayer with a yes, his involvement in my life would be limited to my imagination and my insecurities. Like that would be, that would be the limit. And I don't want to put a limit on God. I'm just, you know, I think of one of the, my favorite verses in Ephesians. Uh, it talks about like just exceedingly abundantly doing above all I could ask or think. Like, man, I want God to blow my mind. I think he's in the business of doing that. But I would limit him if, it, if that was the case. Another thing is some prayers are unanswered because, you know, God gives us free will. You know, he'll never force his way on us or others. He won't do that. You know, the Lord's prayer says this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, John Mark quoted this, and I, I want to quote it because it's really good. It says, heaven 
is where God's will is done all the time, and on earth is where God's will is done some of the time. And so just think about that. Like, there are other wills allowed on this earth during this time. You know, God's will, the human will, and some are bent towards God, and some are bent away from God towards sinful nature, you know, and doing evil things or bad things, you know. Uh, there's also spiritual beings and, and natural wills, uh, gravity and things like that. You know, God won't force us to do something. He won't do that. And the reason why is God is love. And this is like, like a really important thing to grasp. God is love, and love demands a choice. No free will, no love. Like it demands a choice. And it's against his nature to override our freedom. It's against his nature to do that. Satan, it's not. Like he wants to control and wants to uh, make you feel a certain way and do a certain thing. Some prayer may be unanswered because of the reality of um, just spiritual warfare, like I was just kind of alluding to there. In, in Daniel 10, this is another great... Uh, Daniel's a great book. How many of you guys read Daniel? Like, it's crazy. you got to read that. It's a great book. Um, but yeah, another, another great story in Daniel 10 was uh, Daniel was praying and fasting for three weeks. Three weeks he was praying and fasting, and he hadn't heard an answer. And finally the angel came, and he, go, he goes, Sorry, I heard you the first day, but I was wrestling with the prince of Persia. And the prince of Persia is like this demonic being over the nation of Persia. He's like, sorry, I would have got to you sooner, but I you know, kind of had other things to do. So just this reality of like, man, there's a real war going around in our universe, around us and, and throughout the universe. It's not just, the battle's not just against flesh and blood, the Bible speaks. And so this real reality, you know, and sometimes answered prayer has to do with that spiritual war. And, and I think something I've been learning is I used to say this, and I still, like, I believe it to, 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 to some degree, but it's kind of cliche and an easy answer to say God answers prayer one of three ways, yes, no, or not yet. And, and there's truth to that. But the reality is, it, like, as you study Scripture, like, it's complex, you know. You know, there's a lot going on. And we must be aware, again, I think in, on, in the Western world, like when I've done, I've um, traveled cross-culturally and done some work in different countries, um, you know, there's, real, there's a real understanding of the demonic realm in a lot of other countries. And that there is a, a satanic opposition. And, and the Bible is very clear on that too. Ephesians 6, uh, 11 through 12 says it this way. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so we want to understand there's a real battle going on around us. And Satan's not a character from a fairy tale. You know, he doesn't have the pitchfork and the horns or whatever. Like, that's like... I mean, he might, I don't know, but, but he's not a fairy tale. Paul tells us to stand right here against the devil. And how do we do that? How do we stand? I mean, Paul says, put on the full armor. Another, again, right before the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 4, I love that little section. I'm telling you, that's one of my favorite sections in the scripture. Uh, Matthew 4, right before that, Jesus goes out, he, after he, he, right before he begins his ministry, he goes out into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he fasts. 
And then the devil shows up to tempt him. And how did he refute the devil? How did he stand against the devil? He prayed. He quoted scriptures. And then he said, no. <laughs> and he said, get behind me, Satan. And then he prayed. And he quoted scriptures. And he said, no. And then he prayed. And he quoted scripture. And he said, no. And it's like, that's, that's a formula. That's how we stand. That's how we fight this battle in the spiritual realm. Is we know his word. We know it. And we believe it. And we pray it out. And we stand firm in it. And it's a beautiful model that Jesus gives us for that. So another reason some prayers may be unanswered is because of selfish motives. James alludes to this in James chapter 4. James says two reasons sometimes in this. You do not have because you do not ask. Have not because you ask not. You, and then you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. And so sometimes we have to check our motives at the door. We have to check, is my motive worry or lust or greed or anger? What's my motive? Or is my actually like rolling these things on the Lord and trusting him? You know, it's important to note that why you pray is just as important as what you pray for. Why you pray is just as important as what you pray for. God's not meaning, you know, God's not like some mean God playing games with us. But often, we're not ready for the answer. We're not ready to steward it. We're not mature enough if he were to answer. And it's a good prayer, but we're just not ready. And that's sometimes the case. And some prayers may be unanswered because God desires relationship. And this one's huge. I found this to be true in my life with some hard things I've gone through is God himself is greater answer than anything we are asking for. God himself is a greater answer than anything we're asking for, and he wants to use our sense of need to draw us in deeper relationship with him. And that's the beauty of the, you know, like being in relationship with the God of the universe. Like we can have that, that fellowship, that closeness, that relationship with him. And, and man, do we not know it when we're in need, when we're hurting, when we're suffering. We're like, why God? Like it, it gives us this connection, this closeness. Why do we have to ask things sometimes you think more than once? You know, why do we have to wrestle with God? And I, I believe if God were to answer us right away, our relationship would devolve into that of a debit card going into an ATM machine. You'd just be like, you know, like, that's what it would evolve to, not this father and a son or this father and a daughter relationship that he's calling us to in this passage. And it's beautiful. What God wants more than anything, if you take that away, what, what God wants more than anything, if you take that away from tonight, is just relationship. The main point for prayer isn't getting what you want from God, it's getting God himself. That's the main point from prayer, is just, man, in communion with God. <clears throat> Another reason some prayers are unanswered, because we don't believe, or we lack faith. Jesus said, he gave a, a condition, he said in John 14 earlier, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask. And the conditions to believe. We're simply to believe and leave the results to God. And, and that's it. Like, just believe Matt is work, you know? <clears throat> Sometimes we, we put a ton of disclaimers or say all the reasons why he's probably not going to heal them while we're praying. And um, that's, you know, just pray in faith. Believe. And leave it up to God. Leave the results up to God. You know, something, faith is not believing that God will do what you want. That's not faith. <clears throat> That's prosperity gospel. Like, do this, do that. Like, 
That's not faith. What faith is, it's taking God at his word. God, you said this. I'm reading it in your word. Like I was saying, like in my bunk bed as a young kid. Like, I was like, God, your word says ask, seek, knock. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. I didn't always get the answer right away, but like the heart posture, I believe God met me in that as a young kid. I had this heart to serve and follow God, even if I didn't get my way, you know. And that was... I think what faith is taking God's word literally and just saying, God, I believe it. I entrust my life to it. And a side note about this faith sometimes being, you know, why prayers are unanswered is it's a really cruel theology um, that people would say that, oh, that person didn't get healed because you didn't believe. It's like that puts the onus of it on the person. Like, it's God. Like, God's going to heal or he's not going to heal. It's not about how much we can do. That's works-based faith, and that's, that's not even in line with his character. So, and that's a very cruel. Like people, I've heard friends of mine that have had loved ones pass, and people have told them that, and it's very, like, they have to live with it. It's like, that's not true. That's not what the Word of God speaks and teaches. But we are to have faith. And another reason is some prayers are unanswered because perseverance is needed. And I think we see this really clearly in our text tonight. And as we've seen many things... As we've seen throughout, like, the things I've been listing, we've seen many things that could be keeping us from an answer. It could be one of these things, or maybe it could be all of them. It's, like, hard to say. Like, only God knows. But we often don't know uh, why there's not an answer. And the point in a delay is not necessary that it's, you know, he's denying it. That's not the point of the delay sometimes. And, And until you know for sure the answer... You know, what Jesus says, actually, and I love it, in the NLT, I love the NLT translation on this Matthew 7, 7, says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking. That's beautiful. Like, that's, that's again, what, what the, I think what, what Jesus is really trying to express, that persistent prayer. And don't be discouraged. If you haven't gotten an answer, don't be discouraged. Keep going. Press in. Again, God might be teaching you something way bigger than what you're praying for through it. I love David Guzik, Enduring Word. If you ever want to, like an online commentary that's just awesome, it's called Enduring Word. Um, David Guzik, and it's free. And if you're like reading a passage and you're struggling with it, just look it up. It's really cool. Anyways, took a quote from that because I just loved it. David Guzik said, God promises an answer to the one who diligently seeks him. Many of our pa- passionless prayers are not answered for good reason because it's almost as if we ask God to care about something we care little about. God values persistence and passion in prayer because they show that we share his heart. It shows that we care about the things he cares about and it expresses a dependency on him. So again, if you had that list from prayer and fasting, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking as you move forward in your faith journey. He wants to speak to you. And then the last thing, sometimes prayer is unanswered because of disobedience or sin. And that can maybe seem like a, an easy one, but, but sometimes it's not. And I was even reading, I love this today. I was, it's crazy. I was reading literally in my quiet time on my checkoff psalm for the day was Psalm 66. And I read Psalm 66, 18 through 20. And it said, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God, who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. 
And so we see often God doesn't answer because in his mercy, he wants us to deal with sin in our lives. There's something that, that he's trying to break through on. And, and sometimes it takes us persisting in prayer that all of a sudden, you know, the beauty of unanswered prayer in my life, it, it often exposes areas in my life that need, he's like, wait, like you're asking for this, but man, you got, you got this you need to ask for, or be praying about. And, and, or even just exposing that my prayer may be rooted in jealousy or ambition or, or wrong, again, wrong motives or just rooted in anything other than Jesus. Like, my, that's what my prayer is not rooted in him. And what I love about that, in God's mercy, again, over time, God reveals this, and then what's cool is, like, your prayer starts to change. And you might not even be asking for the same thing you were, but he begins to change your heart, which then often changes the prayer. And sometimes the most loving thing God can do, we've seen throughout this, sometimes the most loving thing God can do is to not answer our prayers. Like, God is love. That is loving. And maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. You know, and your sin is, you know, the reality is we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you don't have Jesus as your advocate before the Father, like, your sin is separating you from God. And, and he's reaching out tonight. He sees you. He, he wants to have relationship with you. And, and the Bible is clear. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You can have a relationship with God in a miracle of a moment. It's just the best you can in your heart to say, I believe in Jesus. I, I want to know you, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you died and rose from the grave. I believe you paid for the penalty of my sin. And I believe that you, if I confess you as my Lord and Savior, you'll see me as pure and holy. And I can stand before a righteous God and I can begin to, to seek with, with just an unhindered heart. And I just want to challenge you, if that's you tonight, you can, you can put faith in Christ right where you're at. And maybe most of you might be here doing, you might be doing good. Maybe you've walked with Jesus for a long time. But some of you might be living also in that reality of unanswered prayer. You know, how, again, how, the question, how do we live in the tension between the promise of Jesus, what he said, and the reality of disappointment or heartache or regret or confusion or doubt, just hard things. And I think the short answer is an ancient form of prayer called lament. My wife will love this. She's reading a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. It's about the, like just kind of the lost form of just lament. And, and the Psalms are full of it. Psalms, there's 150 Psalms in the Bible. And over two-thirds of them are in lament. And they're just prayers. They're lament. They're prayers to God. And they would use them as worship and prayers. And uh, it's interesting because today in modern worship, like I, I listened to John Mark, and he was saying like less than 1% of worship is lament. It's just like a, a, a lost kind of art. And, and what's cool about the psalmist, as you read them, like guys like David, they're just so real and raw. And, and the reality is they're a mess like all of us, so it's like super encouraging, you know, I feel good about myself, no, I'm just kidding, um, but they're just a mess, and they're authentic, yet they all come back, to, it seems like all the, even some of these lament psalms, you're like, man, they're kind of dark, they come back to like the unfailing love of God, the goodness of God, and it's really powerful, and I, that's where I want to end tonight, is I want to read Psalm 13 uh, together, and I think I got a slide, yeah, there's a slide for it, how long, O Lord, 
Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I have shaken, I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And I just wanted to end there because I love how the Bible is brutally honest. You know, it's so good. It's full of doubt. It's full of anger. It's full of violence. I wish, um, I'm sure they would like, like if someone had a deeper voice and just could be more angry. That's what I just picture this psalm. Like, it's just like, it's like, what is going on, God? Like, I don't understand. And, and I think it's so beautiful because the Bible's so real. You know, and what I love about it is it, it shows, again, there's anger, there's violence, there's sin, there's mistakes, there's, you know, just mess up people. Uh, but most of all, from cover to cover, and especially I love seeing this in the Psalms, is the importance, the mercy of the Father, like, we just see that. Like, there's just mercy to be had. And, and I think where I want to end is that prayer is not a place to be good, like, before God. Is it like, like, and just pray your, like, perfect, like, scripted out prayer. It's like to be authentic. He sees. He knows. And just be like, God, what's up? Like, I don't know what's going on. Sorry, I couldn't quite. <laughs> <laughs> talking to me. But it's a place... Uh, to just come before God honestly and, and to not only just come before him honestly, but to meet God in that place of suffering, in that place of misunderstanding or pain, just coming completely. And, and, and I really think, like my wife was talking, we've been talking about this, like the lament psalms, they're to teach us how to complain to God in a way, but not just complain, but to really just meet him, meet him there and just be real. And I, I'd encourage you this week, read, read through some psalms. Find some of the laments on. There's two-thirds of them are lament as part of a, a way just to like, especially if you're burdened for like this idea of like, man, God, where are you? I don't, I don't feel you. Like just seek him. He wants to speak to you. Let's pray.